This broadcast is a presentation of Kingdom Impact Ministry and is made possible by the grace of God, faithful prayers, and gifts from partners and viewers like you. Thank you, dear friend, for joining us again here. Welcome back to Kingdom Come with me, Andrew Coelho. I'm glad you're tuning in uh, for all our viewers and listeners on uh, podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Thank you for being part of our community. We continue with part eight, which is um, uh, the names and the titles of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is uh, a part two of this uh, as we break down uh, the various names uh, of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the names and titles that relate to the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Okay, let's, uh, again, Acts 19.1.2 uh, is our theme scripture, uh, if this is your first time uh, watching. Uh, while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So that's why we are doing this deep dive, a series on the Holy Spirit, okay? And uh, we want to continue talking about the names and the titles. The last episode was so anointed, I didn't even think I was going to make it through the whole episode, but, you know, thank God we did, because God wants to impart this knowledge, revelation, but he also wants to back it up with experience, okay? And that's what happens uh, when we get to know uh, the Holy Spirit, who he is, what he has, and what he's doing, you know, and so we can better engage with him and connect with him. So let's continue. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit as the comforter. You know, the Bible talks to him, uh, to us uh, as the Holy Spirit uh, being our comforter. John 14, verse 16, uh, it says uh, from the King James, I'll pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Other translations say helper, okay? advocate. It doesn't matter what version you read. This is the name on the Holy Spirit that is related to his work as a comforter, as our helper, okay, as our advocate. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, comforter, uh, the word is paraclete, which means advocate. One called to come alongside, okay, as like a lawyer, as a helper, as a counselor. That's why, you know, most of the time uh, we, 
you know, we, we, we know the Holy Spirit is our comforter, but we really engage him as our comforter? Do we engage him as our helper? Do we know him that he's called to come alongside us? I want you to think about this. The Holy Spirit, he's called to come alongside you as your advocate. Think about what does an advocate do? He speaks for you. He fights for you. He's, on, he, he's there. He fights for your cause. He's your helper. He's your counselor. He's your guide. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit, as a comforter, He's much more than just, you know, they're coming to come alongside us. He, he's active. He's very active and He wants us to, to engage Him. Romans 8.26, this is one way that, you know, the Holy Spirit helps us. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You see, one of the things we don't know how to do, even though you've been praying for years, we don't know how to pray. And the Holy Spirit knows how to pray a perfect prayer. So that's one way, you know, when you go into the prayer room, you know, invite Him. Holy Spirit, Comforter, Counselor, Helper, help me to pray. Help me to pray through this. Help me to pray through this situation, through this need. And you find that he, He's going to lead you into the very prayer of God. Because He says He prays according to the will of God. Okay? And so that's why it's crucial for us to know, you know, these titles, they're not just names there in the Bible for us to say, wow, fancy names. No, there's a reason, there's a ministry. There are acts, works, and miracles hiding behind those names. The more we know those names and we begin to interact and engage the Holy Spirit that way, we begin to unpack and engage and receive and experience those acts of comfort. He wants to be our comforter. He wants to be your comforter, whatever you're going through right now. He wants to be there to comfort you, to go alongside you. You see, in this ministry right now that I'm doing, the Holy Spirit is my comforter. He's helping us with our team here. He's helping us. We have felt his presence. <laughs> Even right now, it's like I just feel his presence again. Oh, Lord. <laughs> in the last episode, I could barely, you know, finish it. Because the presence was so strong and the anointing was so strong. But he's, he, he's my comforter. And I know it. And I pull on it each and every time, each and every day. I pull on it. And he's always there. When sometimes I don't feel you know, like I have the energy to go. And yet when I engage him as my helper to help me in the ministry or preaching and teaching or prayer or whatever I'm doing. All of a sudden there is this supernatural surge of energy. Supernatural, uh, really power that comes to help me. And he's going to do the same thing for you. Okay. First Corinthians 2, 4. Paul tells us, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? Because Paul knew the Holy Spirit as his helper, as his comforter. Would you know him as your comforter today? Would you reach out to him? Would you begin to engage, you know, with the Holy Spirit as your comforter. And you're going to find new power. You're going to find a new friend that is always there. Regardless, you know, whether you feel you are prayed enough or not prayed enough. You know, all this guilt is going to go away. Because you know, you have a helper 
Who is walking alongside you? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have prayed 10 hours of prayer. No, you just have to know how to engage the Holy Spirit. You know, as I teach you to have the relationship on an ongoing basis, to be your closest confidant, to be your closest friend, the one you turn to before you turn to anybody else, your, com your comforter. So that's one name and title that's related to that work of the Holy Spirit as the one alongside us. That is powerful. The other name we're going to talk about is the spirit of adoption. Okay. First John 1 verse 12. Yet to all who did receive him, to those he, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Okay. When we believed, we became children of God. But watch this. Ephesians 1 verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to sonship. By the way, when you read the word sonship or sons in the Bible, it means male and female, you know, or mature. That's what it really means. It means maturity, okay? He predestined us for adoption into sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. But how is this coming along and how is this happening? Let's continue to read. Romans 8, 14, 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons, children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Now listen to this. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. Dear friend, I've run into so many people who don't really know God as their father. You know why? Because they have not reached out to the spirit of adoption. The spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, he's the one who brings us into this adoption. And what it is, the, the, the answer here is that we, we, we don't live as slaves. We're no longer living in fear of our past, that our past you know, is capable of encroaching on our relationship, you know, uh, so that we can't really have that relation because of our past and, and, and that guilt that keeps coming back. Well, when you reach to the Holy Spirit and know him as the spirit of adoption, you can ask him, you can relate and engage the Holy Spirit as the spirit of adoption and ask him to work all these fears out and to bring you into the, the, the adoption so where you can begin to cry out, Abba, Father, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the spirit of adoption. Please get this. There is so many like orphans in the church. They sing, they cry out to God, they come to church and read the Bible, but deep within they are orphans. They don't know if God approves of them. They don't know if God likes them, let alone love them. They don't know if does God even care because they have not known the, the complete work, the work of the spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption brings you from wherever you are right now, where the enemy has been lying to you, even right now. I just feel like there are people watching this who are uh, like living as orphans spiritually. You don't know the love of God. You don't know if God, you're going through something and you don't know if God cares. You don't know if God likes you. You don't know if God loves you. Okay, you, you can't even say he's my father. Well, what you need, the answer is here. The spirit, let's read this scripture again, Romans 14, 15. For those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. You are child of God, right? The spirit you receive, when you received Christ, you received the spirit of God, the indwelling of the spirit. The spirit you receive makes you 
does not make you slaves. In other words, you are not a slave of your past. That's what that means. You are not a slave of your past acts or sins. He frees you so that you live. Uh, it, it does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Remember, in the past, in your sin, you lived in fear. You have been freed. Rather, this is what the spirit of adoption does. The spirit you received brought you about your adoption. He brought you about your adoption. In other words, just think about this. You know, like adoption, Somebody, when somebody is adopted, it means somebody went out of their way to make them part of the family. Okay? You were not born in that family, but you were adopted. Which means somebody wanted you, somebody needed you, wanted you, and they did whatever it took to make you part of their family. Well, God has done everything to make you part of his family. And to complete, the Bible tells us that the Spirit brought about this adoption. Where now you are part of the family. And you need to let go of your past. But you say, brother, that is hard. Well, the solution is here. Ask the spirit of adoption to free you from the slavery of your past, of all your sin and the pain memory and everything that came with it, and to bring you into the completeness of your adoption, to know the peace, the joy, the security, the love that the Father has, so that he can bring you into that place where you can cry out, Abba, Father. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing. Because now you know, this is not an intellectual, dear friend, again, here we go. This is not something just intellectual on an intellectual. This is an experiential thing. You have to experience it. Okay? You have to get past your intellect. You have to turn it over. Jesus has paid the price so you can have access to the Holy Spirit. And what of, part of the Holy Spirit's work is the adoption that he brought into you. But he not just only just brought you into the family and left you there. He brings you and works this adoption in your heart so where you can come to that place. It may not be an instant thing. It may be a progressive thing where the spirit of adoption is working and releasing you from all the past and all the lies. That's why the Bible says that he does not make you a slave, but rather he brings you into freedom. So where your past has no more hold on you. You see, this is the key. I mean, I've been in places where they're doing inner healing and upon inner healing and upon inner healing. The key is right here. And people still, after many years of doing this, confessing this, and forgiving their parents or, or whatever they've been through, they're still hurt. Why? Because they have not been adopted. They, have, they haven't known the experience of the spirit of adoption. And so there's that still that void. And it's only done by the spirit of God who works in us that completeness of adoption where we know that we belong we know that we know that God likes us and he loves us he doesn't only like us and love us when we do good things he loves us regardless he likes us <laughs> dear friend that is the work of the spirit of adoption and you need to experience it if you still feel like an orphan, like you don't belong. You have done every good work to please God and hopefully you win his favor. You already have his favor. He gave his son for you. He loves you. He likes you just the way you are. Now, when you come, he's going to change you. 
right? He's not going to leave you the same way he finds you. The spirit of adoption, adoption is going to begin to work in you so that you can become, be secure in your identity as a son, as a daughter. He's going to make you secure. And there is nothing. That's why the Bible tells us in Corinthians that there is no more condemnation upon those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because of the spirit of God has made us free. That's the spirit of adoption. We know we are adopted, we are wanted, we are needed, and we belong. Oh, dear friend, Romans 8.23, Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await, we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. This is the, another thing that the spirit of adoption does. This is at the end of the age, the, the redemption of our bodies. When Jesus comes back, those who are dead in Christ, our bodies will be redemption, will be redeemed. Again, we see here, we are brought into the fullness, the completeness of our adoption. When Jesus comes back and the, those who are dead in Christ, you know, uh, those who are dead, they are raised and their bodies meet, uh, they have a new body, and their spirit, and forever to live with Christ. The spirit of adoption. He brings us not only here, but makes sure we are ready for heaven. We await. We are adopted here into the family. We belong in the family. But now at the end, uh, at the end when Christ comes, our bodies are going to be redeemed, and we come into the final completeness of our adoption into the family forever and ever with God. That's the work of the spirit of adoption. Put that in your spirit. This is crucial, dear friend. Would you reach out to the spirit of adoption? Would you get to know the Holy Spirit? And as you know, would you connect with him on this level as the one who works the adoption, completes the adoption, and he makes sure that your adoption is even, this is, this is beautiful. He's making sure that your adoption is not just ending here. At the end, that your adoption is complete. Even the redemption of your body, the spirit, make sure that that is done. And you get a new body with your spirit as you go to spend eternity with Christ. Dear friend, I don't know any other religion that can claim for to give people eternal life. I don't know any other. And what we are in is not just a religion, it's a relationship with the most amazing person who ever lived. God, the Father, Jesus Christ, and Holy Spirit. Oh, <laughs> okay, let's talk about the next name and title, the Spirit of Grace. Ephesians 2 verse 12, remember that at that time you are separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigner to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Well, he's talking about, really, he's talking about Israel. This is what they were. And us as Gentiles, we were separate, you know, cut off, you know, without hope, without you know, really God in the world, but the grace of God, the favor of God. And let's read Hebrews 10, 28 to 29. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think 
Someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. See, when we reject the blood of Jesus, when we reject the finished work of the cross, we are insulting the Spirit of grace. Because the Spirit of grace is the one that is searching and reaching out to us, bringing that hope from our lostness, from our wayward things and wayward ways in the world. He's the one that woos us. He's the one that goes after us. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. That is Matthew 23, 37. This is how Jesus cried out about Jerusalem. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks and her wings and you are not willing. Zechariah 12, verse 10. I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they will look on me, the one they have pierced, and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and grieve bitterly for him as one grieves for a firstborn son. Again, we see here, in order, Jesus came and he wept over Jerusalem because, you know, they stoned the prophets and rejected those that were sent to them. And he's like, how I long to gather you and hold you and save you and be your Lord. And, and, but they didn't, they, they could not, they did not. And see here, we see the, this prophecy that he will send out in, in Zechariah, just that, that Zechariah gave about the coming of the Messiah and the, the outpouring of, of the, the grace of God. And he said he will release the spirit of grace and supplication. The spirit of grace is the one that opens our eyes to see the need for Jesus, to see the need, the need for Savior. That's why without the spirit of grace, you know, even Jesus wept because they, they needed the spirit of grace to, to woo them and, and convict them and open their eyes to see who he is. Okay, And he said, how I longed. And Zechariah prophesied that he, you know, he's going to pour on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication so that they will be able to break for their sin and begin to see how wicked and sinful they are and see the, the Savior and the solution that is before them. That's why none of us can say, oh, I, I, I saved myself. It was the spirit of grace that saved you and I. I know we sing the amazing grace. How sweet the sound. But you know what is? It is the amazing spirit of grace that opened our eyes to the grace of Jesus Christ. Without the spirit of grace opening our eyes, we'll still be out there in the dark without hope and without truth. When the spirit of grace touched us, all of a sudden we break. That's why he says on, upon the house of David and, and Jerusalem, he's going to pour the spirit of grace and supplication. In other words, they're going to weep. They're going to cry out. We see here in Revelation 6.16, they call to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Without the spirit of God, many will be calling, you know, I don't want to face this God, please. Calling for rocks to, you know, fall on them and, and, and hide them. But <laughs> there's nowhere. We can hide from the Almighty God. But right now, 
The Spirit of Grace is reaching out to you right now. You a believer, you a believer, you have experienced this Spirit of Grace. You are not a believer. The Spirit of Grace is talking to you right now and say, Hey, would you open your heart to Jesus? Would you receive this hope? Would you receive this life that God freely gives? We come to Christ by the Spirit of Grace. And that's why when I, you know, in my crusades and as I'm for years, I prayed out that the Spirit of Grace will be poured out upon the people I'm going to preach to. Why? Before I got there, the Spirit of Grace has been working on them. And, and sometimes people will run to the altars. You know, I can't tell you how many times people went to altars before I ever preached. You know, I, I would say probably in at least, you know, a quarter of my crusades, some of them I, I, I didn't even preach. The spirit of grace and supplication was on people. Others was because of the supernatural. They experienced the supernatural and people are running to the altar. You know, I remember in South Africa, a guy came to me and he said, I, I want to get saved right now. <laughs> I'm like, can I? It's like right now in a tent crusade in Pretoria. So I, you know, I, I, all of a sudden I say, who else? Then the whole, the whole tent came out. So I haven't even preached. That is the spirit of grace and supplication. He causes men to break for their sin. He convicts them and he reveals their nakedness. He reveals their vileness and, and the emptiness and their need for Jesus and for the Savior. All of a sudden, it's like the veil comes off. Ooh. And their need is revealed that they're naked. Their need. And all of a sudden, they are crying on the altar like babies. And they are getting saved right there and then. I have many, many occasions I've seen that. But way, way back in the early days of my ministry, I got to understand these titles and the names of the Holy Spirit. So I'll reach out to the Holy Spirit and I'll ask the Holy Spirit, the spirit of grace and supplication to prepare, to go and talk to those that are coming, to prepare their hearts for the message, to prepare their hearts for what God has uh, and to, to convict them to so that, you know, when I got there, really, I was just only facilitating what God was doing. The spirit of grace had already come upon them and opened their eyes. Engage him. He's the spirit of grace. Hallelujah. The spirit of glory. First Peter chapter 4 verse 14. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. <laughs> Listen to this. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. When you are persecuted, insulted, spit upon, stoned, I've experienced all of those and more. He says, you are blessed. The spirit of God, the spirit of God as the spirit of glory is on you. And rests on you. You know, I was talking to a dear couple in Australia uh, just last week, and they were, you know, asking me about all these, you know, uh, manifestations they are, they are seeing, and you know, uh, and how people were, you know, attacking them in the marketplace and in the streets because of the supernatural and the miraculous they are seeing. You know, visible, tangible manifestation of the. I had to tell them because they didn't know. There's, you know, there are students in, in the school of the anointing, and they are using, you know, my book. You know, catch and release God's supernatural, and God is working. And I had to tell them that's the glory of God. Why? Because it's the spirit of the of glory. The spirit of glory begins to reveal Himself in you, and the world around you is not going to like it. 
He's not going to like it. You know, so I had to comfort them and encourage them to keep going forward, you know, and to know the spirit of glory is on their lives and is manifesting in their lives and upon their lives. So whatever you're going through, if you're persecuted, you're insulted, you're rejected, uh, you, you, you're going through whatever might be happening, know that the spirit of glory is right there with you. Okay, now let's talk about the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Now, this one here in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, they are actually different ones. These are couplets of different titles and names that we're going to break down here in this uh, segment. Uh, so, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Now, this is a prophetic word about Jesus. Now, we, do you see what made Jesus great? We see all these. These are prophetic words about Jesus. But you see how, you know, the, the, the prophet is talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to manifest and work in his life. And all the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, the fear of the Lord, the might and the counsel that Jesus displayed while he was on earth. It was because of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit manifesting himself you know, as the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. Now wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge of God's word in our lives or in our daily lives. That's what wisdom is. Jesus had plenty of that. Okay? But we know he had wisdom. He had knowledge to apply the word of God. That's why they could not, you know, really, they could not stand his wisdom. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 2, verse 40 and 42, and the child grew and became strong, meaning Jesus, the child, he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You see, when we continue to engage the spirit as the spirit of wisdom and understanding, that wisdom and understanding grows because the more you depend on him, the more he reveals more, the more he gives you. Okay, the more if you show him that you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're teachable, you are open, he's going to reveal more. I, I know people want to know the secrets of God and they want to hear God and they want to see the. First of all, you got to be available. You got to be available to hear and to see. Okay, you have to cultivate, that's why I teach, and I show you how in this book, so you can develop a lifestyle. This is not a one-time thing, this is a lifestyle. The more you do it, the wisdom of God and the understanding of God in all things grows. We see it happen with Jesus, and it's going to happen with you, but it was by the Spirit, by the Spirit of wisdom and understanding to be specific. Okay, Mark 6 verse 2, when Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. They were like, wow, where did this man get these things? They asked, what's this wisdom that he has been given? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? They are wondering why it's by the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Okay, and what is understanding? Understanding is discernment in wisdom. Is knowing how to apply the wisdom. That's what understanding is. As a matter, the, the Hebrew word for understanding meaning having the power of judgment and perceptive insight. Okay, you may have the knowledge, but you, you and I, we need uh, wisdom to know to apply that knowledge. But then understanding 
you know, is the ability, that judgment, that power, that supernatural power, you know, by the spirit of understanding. Again, is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. They go together. That's why they are combined. Because if you're going to walk in wisdom, you're going to need understanding to know when do you apply that wisdom. Okay? To have the power of judgment and the perceptive insight to know when you apply that principle. How to apply the principle. Like I teach so many principles in this book, Catch and Release. But as whatever you're going through, you are, the Holy Spirit is going to give you wisdom and understanding. What principle to use at what time? You know, like I share my stories uh, with each principle and, uh, you know, like, you know, with diabetes. If there was a different principle and a different time. But then he gave me the understanding. He said, now I want you to do fasting and prayer and do it for this uh, amount of time. Okay? That is wisdom. I'm applying the knowledge I have of the scripture about communion. But now he's giving me wisdom what to do and how to do it. The judgment, you see, is the spirit of wisdom and understanding. This happened at, at our kitchen table. I was in the kitchen. I was not in the prayer room. This one was unloaded to me. I was in, in, the, you know, in the dining room table, you know, and the, all of a sudden I had a download. This is how I'm healing you. And the testimony is here. So that is, that's what that means. We need to engage the Holy Spirit you know, in, in that way. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 to 6. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry loud, aloud for understanding, if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. This scripture sums it up. He says, if you treasure it, if you seek it, okay, like I just told you, uh, you want to know God and the secrets of God and the mysteries of God, what God is doing, what God is thinking, what's, what is he feeling? If you put it that to be central to you and you crave it and you yearn it and you, you, you pursue it, the Bible says that you're going to find it. God is going to give you wisdom. wisdom. He gives wisdom from his mouth. How? By the spirit of wisdom and understanding. And calm knowledge and understanding. Okay? Okay, let's talk about the spirit of counsel and might. Again, that we find that in Isaiah 11 verse 2. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born, again talking about Jesus, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Why? It's because of the spirit of counsel and the spirit of might. You see, Jesus was the mighty, and he is to this day the mighty counselor, the, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, but you know how he's doing all that? By the spirit that is upon him. And that spirit, dear friend, is the one I'm here to introduce you. That that spirit is also in your life. Is also upon your life. You need to know the spirit of might and the spirit of counsel. Okay? You need to know if you're looking for direction. You're looking to, you know, what I need to do. How is, you know, like recently, you know, God gave me this. He said, Andrew, I want you to send this book to every pastor. 
I mean, I never, you know, I, I never dreamt of sending it to every pastor, you know, but that's, it came by the Spirit. He's counseling and he's giving wisdom and he's giving understanding and knowledge. And I'm like, okay, Lord, help, help me to get it out there. And we have started doing it. Why? But that was birth. That was never my strategy, but it is God. See, the more, if you dare to listen and to ask for the counsel, and for the purpose, because I said, God, what is the purpose of this book? You know, it took me a long time and it took a lot of effort for me and our team here and different people that were involved for us to put all this together. What is the purpose? And he told me, I want to cultivate a revival, but I want to encourage and I want to, to equip other leaders. There are other leaders that need to, to learn and to get the keys. And I've talked to leaders and some have told me, that, you know, I believe in miracles, signs and wonders, but I just don't know how. Guess what? Here is the tool. It's like a toolkit. But I never thought of it until the Holy Spirit told me to do it. And now we're doing it. And I'm sure with your help and with your support, who would give, I want to send every book to every pastor I can find. Okay? Every pastor, every preacher, every missionary. I want to bless. I want to bless. I want to bless. You know why? Because when you know it's the knowledge you have, that when you begin to apply it, you begin to see the supernatural. Okay? And so um, I'm taking my 30 plus years of ministry and all that I've seen around the world and, and, and imparting that knowledge in, and showing them you know, how simple it is to walk in the supernatural and the miraculous. But the point I'm making here is, I was, I was, you know, sitting in my recline at home and praying and having a conversation with God and say, God, you know, by the way, you got to mean what you say and say what you mean. You know, you got to ask God some tough questions. He can't take it. <laughs> I know some of you are, you know, are told not to ask God, you know, question God and whatever. But God says in the Bible in Isaiah, he says, come and let us reason together. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll teach you about reasoning prayer on another, another time. You know, he says, come and let us reason. And when you come to reason, you find that you find his counsel. And it is going to be by the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might that God is bringing about these revelations and the things that are going to follow. Do you see how that is happening? It's not by the cunning cleverness of man. It's not by the human arm of strength. It is by the spirit. And the spirit knows how to get this book to everybody that needs it. I didn't know. But he knows. So we just stick with the spirit. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Again, in Isaiah 11 verse 2, Jesus was filled with the spirit uh, of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Now, it's interesting. Uh, you, know, this, you know, these are coupled together. They are couplets. They are coupled because they go hand in hand. Might and counsel, they go hand in hand. If you're going to walk in might and the power, you better have counsel. You see how? Because if, if he gives you power without counsel, you may misuse that power. So that's why he's always directing us. So the power and the might that he gives us is for the glory of God, is to, you know, to, to glorify God and build people up and exhort people and lift others from mediocrity and obscurity and, 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 and sickness and fear and lift them to God's standard, to God's lifestyle of victory and triumph. Amen. So that's why we have these couplets here. And the last one is the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Okay, and uh, we see in Romans 1.20, for since creation of the world, 
God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. In other words, he's saying that all these you know, wonders you know, from creation, everything that has been done is being done so that God will show us his power so that we will be without excuse that who he is. In other words, he's showing us I am God. Though, you know, still even many today refute, you know, the divinity of God, that God is real, this and the other, but God is still God. Okay, Proverbs 1, 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. You see, when we have the knowledge, this knowledge that we know, like the knowledge you are gathering right now regarding the Holy Spirit, is going to bring you into the fear of God, into the fear of the Holy Spirit. And when I mean the fear of God or the Holy Spirit, I don't mean that you are afraid of the Holy Spirit. It is the reverence. See, it's, it's the honor. You're going to revere, revere God from a place of knowledge, knowing who He is, His nature, His character. Because you have knowledge, you are without excuse. Okay, that's what that scripture means. And the fear of the Lord, the more we, you know, we experience the spirit of the fear of the Lord, you know, and this is something that I pray every morning, that I will not lose my fear of the Lord. I will not get so familiar with God that I'm no longer trembling before his presence. See, you know, but I, you know, so I, I engage the, the, the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of knowledge, but also the spirit of the fear of the Lord to work that fear of God in me day in and day out. That regardless of where I am, that that fear of the Lord is always there. Because that fear of the Lord leads me to knowledge, leads me to a lot of good things according to the scripture. And the Bible said, but, the, 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 but fools despise wisdom. An instruction. You see, in the fear of the Lord, we are instructed the way we should go. We are instructed what to let go and what to get a hold of. We are instructed because we have, we have that fear, that reverence fear. It's not that we are afraid. That's not what this is. There's a difference between the fear of the Lord and being afraid. Okay? Listen to Exodus chapter 20, verse 19 to 20. This is what the children of Israel told Moses. Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. God has, not, God has come to test you so that the fear of the Lord, the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. See, the fear, we shouldn't be afraid of God because when God comes, is to test our hearts, is to work that fear of God, that holy reverence fear of God for who He is. Because that fear of the Lord is the one that's going to keep us from sinning, from doing things we ought not to be doing, because we have that fear of the Lord. And who does that? Is the spirit of the fear of the Lord. <laughs> Did you realize that? There is nothing that God is going to do that the Holy Spirit is not doing. I want you to Put that in your spirit and remember it. Even the fear of the Lord. Maybe you've been trying so hard to please God and walk in the fear of God and tremble. You cannot do it on your own. But if you surrender to the Holy Spirit and invite him to work the fear of God 
in your heart to lead you. He's going to work the knowledge and the fear of the Lord in your life so that you're walking in truth, in knowledge of who God is. You're not afraid because, you know, you might die, but you are the fear, the reverential fear, the, the, the honor and the, the glory, and, and the others use the word respect, but that's a light word. It's more than just respect, okay, that you have within you that will cause you from sinning to living a holy life is by the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Hallelujah. Dear friend, as I finish this, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to, to the Lord Jesus. To know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is the beginning of knowledge and understanding, is the beginning of life. I mean, who are we without God in our lives? If you are not a Christian, you have not surrendered your life over to Jesus, you can do so right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I surrender my life over to you. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Wash me with your precious blood. Write my name in the book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to do your will. I confess with my mouth that I am saved and I believe in my heart that you are the Son of God and that God raised you from the dead. From this day henceforth, I am yours. Have all of me. Do with me what you will. Amen. Dear friend, you have said that simple prayer. Jesus has come into your heart. You were born again. You were a Christian. You are headed for heaven. Now, talk to us. Write to us. Email us. We'd like to send you resources to help you grow in your work. Find a Bible-based, spilled, filled church and get plugged in. We will rejoice with you. And we want to see you succeed. Be, be the best that God wants you to be. Amen. And dear our, our community, I invite you to uh, continue your support of our ministry to help us continue to win souls and make disciples. Again, like I, I said, that I'm sending out uh, this um, book to Colorado. We want to send it to every church and pastor in New Mexico. We are going step by step. By the grace of God, your help will help us. Uh, or you can even send it to pastors and churches in your zip code. You know, just let us know. We would love to send it as much as you can. We invite you to partner with us and help us continue this ministry for the glory of God. Let me pray with you before we are done. Heavenly Father, I pray for the one watching and the one listening right now. You're sick. You need touch of God. You need, you know, deliverance. Just lay your Put your hands on your head and let me pray. I put the blood of Jesus over them right now and release the miracle-waking power of the Spirit of the Lord of hosts into their lives to touch. We rebuke infirmity, sickness, and disease. We bind you, we break you, and we render powerless by the blood of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus. And we release the miracle work of the Spirit of the Lord into their lives to bring healing and wholeness into every part of their being in Jesus' name. Dear friend, we love you. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life. Write to us, email us, call us, and uh, join us on social media as well. We enjoy hearing your stories. May God bless you. See you in the next episode.
a believer, the keys to the supernatural are in your hands, and with them you can access your inheritance. In his newest book, Working the Works of God, Dr. Andrew teaches us how, through the glory of God and His anointing, we are empowered to move past our human abilities and function in the supernatural realm, where nothing is impossible. Order your copy today. To become a Kingdom Impact Ministry partner or sow a financial seed, call us toll-free 1-855-41-VOICE. That's 1-855-418-6423. Or log on to www.kingdomimpactministry.org. Watch Andrew on the Kingdom Come broadcast 24-7 online at kingdomimpactministry.org and on our Kingdom Impact Ministry TV channels available on Roku, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and Android TV. To stream on the go, get the Kingdom Impact Ministry mobile app for Apple and Android devices from the App Store today. To receive prayer, order resources, or to become a partner with Kingdom Impact Ministry, call us toll-free, 1-855-41-VOICE. That's 1-855-418-6423. Or visit us online at kingdomimpactministry.org. You can also write to us at Kingdom Impact Ministry, P.O. Box 2073, Montrose, Colorado, 81402. This broadcast is a presentation of Kingdom Impact Ministry and is made possible by the grace of God, faithful prayers, and gifts from partners and viewers like you.